Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the ice at the Madame Athletic Center is Eric Kareem. Eric, how are you today? Oh man, it's bringing back memories from my last Leafs game ever at uh, Maple, Leafs Gar- Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, the Leafs won like 6-1 over Pittsburgh. I don't uh, remember any of the games I went to at Maple Leaf Gardens. I, I saw a few Raptors games at Maple Leaf Gardens too, in that in-between year before the ACC was built, and they were like splitting time between the Sky Dome and Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, I think I saw them play the Bucks here once. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting the getting the the nostalgias. Nice. Nice. We are at Madame Athletic Center because we were both at the Team Canada Senior National Team practice today. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. You're probably hearing it on Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, Canada's home right now. They just were out west uh, with a roster of 17 or 18, and they put the put the beat down on a Chinese half squad team for two big victories. Uh, they're now here. Uh, Friday they'll play at home in Toronto against the Dominican Republic. Next Monday they'll play uh, at home in Ottawa against the Virgin Islands as part of the FIBA World Cup 2019 qualifiers. We're not going to talk about that a lot, except to say that RJ Barrett is awesome. It's worth going. I mean, get to see him at Rico Coliseum, uh, you know, maybe a year before he becomes... Yes, he could be cut. Yes, he's not going to be cut. He's the best player. A year after, uh, or before, possibly being the first overall pick in the NBA draft. I mean, next chance you get to see him in Toronto will be a lot more... Uh, a lot more difficult, maybe more expensive. Uh, no, yeah. actually, you could see him at uh, Hershey Center in August. Duke's doing a couple exhibition mm, games here. I said Toronto. Yeah, okay. Are we not <laughs> counting Mississauga as no. Toronto? No, no. Okay. All right. I, I mean, a, I, didn't, I didn't think of that, but now I'm, now, yeah. I, now I'm just, you know, using technicalities to get away from my lack of knowledge, <laughs> uh, as anyway, per the, usual. Anyway, the two big takeaways so far have been that R.J. Barrett is awesome. Uh, I guess takeaway 1B... I hope this isn't messing up the audio quality, but there's a little bit of construction going on, but we had nowhere else to record this. Uh, number two, Corey Joseph has a new haircut. I think it's great. You disagree. There's a lot going on. There's the beard, which is thicker than usual. He, he usually had the very manicured uh, beard. And the hair, it's, it's different. A lot of braiding, a lot of, you know, intri- intricacies, uh, points for creativity. I'll, I'll have to see it a few more times before I give a... Usually when anybody gets a new haircut, I'm like, that's terrible. Uh, so give me a few days, and on Friday, hopefully, I will land on a, a final decision. Because that's what the people are waiting on, or my... Uh, Corey Joseph hair takes. Yeah, all all of my fashion takes and yes. uh, groom and grooming takes. Salmon shirt is that what we would call that? I think so. Okay, with don't, a little penguin on it. Don't diss salmon. I'm not. I'm just. It's a fine. Out what you're wearing as Sp- you cast these stones. Dispersions. Yeah. Dispersions are being cast. Yes. Can you do anything else with dispersions? I don't know. Only cast them. I guess you could not cast them. But hold then hold the on to them. Would, yeah, they yeah. Would cease to exist. Yeah. Schrodinger's dispersion. <laughs> um, are, the, are they only dispersions once cast? Yeah. Anyway. Somebody um, look into that. Canada Canada is not the only thing happening this weekend. It is obviously the most important thing. Um, Canada <laughs> basketball playing feeble qualifiers in a round that they've already punched their ticket through. Uh, but hey, records carry over and it'll be fun. Uh, but late Saturday night, so those games are Friday and Monday. In between those games, late Saturday night at the stroke of midnight or early Sunday, if you prefer to call it that way, 
uh, NBA free agency opens. Sure does. Not technically, because no, no one can officially sign until noon on July 6th. The tampering period ends. Yes, the tampering period <laughs> ends. Um, the reporting embargo period ends. You will hear of deals being done at like 12.01 on July 1st, uh, which, you know, that's a clear circumvention of the league rules. Does that happen in the NBA that often? I know it happens in the NHL a lot, but that's because the, I think they're allowed to talk earlier. Yeah, I know last year I was up until like 3, 3.30 in the morning on July 1st because some stuff was coming down. Yeah. But a lot of it at that point is like, this team is meeting with this guy at this time. Um, but yeah, you see some deals done pretty quickly, usually with retaining your own free agents, yeah. which I think the league cares much less about in terms of tampering. The Toronto Raptors have one key free agent. Uh, two, if you ask me, but most people would agree that they have one key free agent, uh, and everything's going to kind of flow from there. They let the draft pass without making a draft night trade. Um, the window to trade Norman Powell in a really easy trade has mostly passed. Technically, they could still do it before July 1st. Um, but if it didn't happen on, on draft, draft night, it's probably not going to happen. Right. So Norman Powell, as I think we've explained on this podcast before, um, his four-year $42 million contract kicks in July 1st. But because he's not a first-round pick and because it's been six months uh, since the extension was signed, there's this weird loophole where, for right now, he only counts for $1.5 million for salary matching. Uh, as of July 1st, he'll count for his 2018-19 salary, which is $9.6 million, which means it's a lot harder to just salary unload him. You have to either find a team that has cap space to just absorb him or you have to take a salary back. Maybe, you know, maybe it works out where you can take back $5 million or something like that instead of... Um, taking back an equal salary, yeah. depending on the other team having cap space. Uh, but Powell gets tougher to move. And also your leverage is a little used up because you're now, the other Raptors have 11 players under contract at something like 125 million. 126, I think. Yeah, something 125.7 like is, I think, the exact number. Okay. Want to, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, I, well, the, I mean, if we're rounding yeah, up. The tax, <laughs> the tax is projected to be about $122 million. Maybe the Raptors will get lucky. In that 122? Group. I thought it was 123. Maybe it's 123. I, anyway, the not final numbers aren't... Yeah, aren't, we won't, we won't yeah. know them until... Um, anyway, all this stuff will be in posts this week anyway. Um, so, the Raptors are facing a pretty tough offseason where Fred Van Vliet, Lucas Nogueira, Lorenzo Brown, and Malcolm Miller are their free agents. Um, they have 11 players under contract, uh, 12 if you count Alfonso McKinney, who has a non-guaranteed deal at the league minimum. Uh, they're in a tough spot, Eric, because yeah. they need to... They need players. I don't think they're going to be able to get out of the tax. But that would be they difficult. They need to not pay a ton of the tax, and they need to, in my opinion, keep restricted free agent Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, and the thing about moving Powell... Even if you can move them now and bring nothing back, which I think is going to be difficult, but not impossible, but I think probably difficult, is once you sign Fred Van Vliet, and we can get to projections for that, they're probably going to be at the same place they were before that. Like, yes. they're going to be similar annual contracts. Powell uh, makes $9.6 yeah. to start. Uh, Fred Van Vliet could get $8.6 yeah. from the Raptors out of the gate if no one else signs to do an offer sheet the Raptors have to make. Um, eight to 8.8 is kind of a, the reasonable at least expectation for Van Vliet. If it comes in lower, good for the Raptors. Sucks for Van Vliet, who deserves every damn penny. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, but, it, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, there's no there's no great asset you have that both, you know, if it were a great asset, you'd probably want him 
definitely on your team at the price he, he was paid. There's, so there's no guy you want to get rid of that's also going to be very attractive to other teams and therefore save you money. So they're going to come to some difficult decisions. And, you know, will it be like last year where they have to attach a sweetener in, a, in the form of a first-round pick to somebody to move them? I know they'll be loath to do that two years in a row uh, because the only way that drafting well works is if you get to keep drafting, uh, especially when you're that low. Um, will it come from a trade in which, as you said, like maybe you move out Norm Powell and take half of his contract back, or you move out a bigger salary player, whether it's Jonas Valanciunas, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, and don't quite take their salaries back. And maybe in that type of move, you can also get more players, that therefore filling out your roster. And uh, But, you know, we're coming to a difficult decision that they have to make, because I don't think... You know, it's just sure they can keep Powell and re-sign, uh, re-sign Van Vliet for whatever the highest offer is for him. Hell, like maybe L- Nagara, like send him the qualifying offer and then, you know, pay the mid-level, the, the taxpayer mid-level. Then all of a sudden you're in what, 140, 145 yeah. before you figure in the tax payment for a team that just got swept by LeBron and the LeBronettes. So, uh I don't think anybody would view that as a prudent way to manage a team, except for fans who just yell, pay the tax. MLS is cheap. Um, because the other thing about paying the tax this year is it makes it more likely that you're going to pay the tax next year. Yes, and there's uh, almost no way around them paying the tax next year, and short of them hitting the eject button and just starting yeah. to trade all the expirings off. Which is possible. It certainly is possible. Those guys will have... Ironically, more trade value as they get to less controllability because expiring contracts in the new cap environment have some nice value. Yeah. So let's get into specifics because sure. uh, it's going to be, I, I think we both agree, they're going to come to some sort of difficult decision yes. and there's not an easy answer here. There is not. Uh, do you think they're going to have to send a sweetener out with somebody? I would not do that. They've already seen this year. You look at how they're going to have to fill out the roster. The cost of sending out Demari Carroll was huge. Two picks. Um, when picks are so valuable, not only as trade chips, but to get inexpensive cost-controlled talent at the back of your roster. I know you hate it when I talk about players as assets. No, I, when they're just draft picks. When they're just we're, we're, this is free agency is the most yeah. uh, you know. It's the most management-centric time of the year, and you you put on your GM's hat and cap management hat, naturally. I just I don't think they should be in the business of trading valuable assets to unload bad contracts regularly. Um, you know, if someone were willing to take on Serge Ibaka for a 2019 first that projects to be late in the first round, maybe you could yeah. talk me into it. But I don't think the rat... Like, Serge Ibaka is still a useful player. He's just overpaid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't. I just don't like that idea. So now, the issue with not doing that is that you get into your means of unloading salary are then just giving good players away. Like Jonas Valanciunas is a better player than Serge Ibaka, and he's a better value on his contract. But you're probably still not getting much back in terms no. of asset value. So then it becomes, you know, do you want to pay an asset to get rid of Serge Ibaka, or do you want to get rid of a better asset and just get nothing back? And there aren't many teams that are just taking Jonas at $16 million. Like, you're probably no. going to have to take something back that is not valuable. Yes. Now, maybe it doesn't hurt you, um, and it helps you avoid a bigger tax bill, but it's 
going to make you a worse team, probably. Yeah, because Jonas Valanciunas is quite good. Uh, so I don't love the idea of paying a pick to get rid of Serge Ibaka, but it might come to that. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think most people would agree that it's likelier that Valanciunas is sent out in some sort of deal than Ibaka because Ibaka's contract is significantly worse and he's not as good a player and he's older. Um, so projecting him to have a bounce back year is a little dicier. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Who's the most likely of these four big contracts to go? And I mean, cause, because we, we talk about these even if Norman Powell gets dealt. Because yeah. if Norman Powell gets dealt and you retain Fred Van Vliet at a little less than maybe the mid level, um, you know, then you're looking at a scenario where you still want to shed salary because it improves your flexibility. Or and presumably you want to add some yeah, pieces. Like add, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, uh, they're not in a great position to do that, but you, like, right now... They, the taxpayer yeah. level. Um, but you don't want, you know, if you have five and a half million or whatever, the 5.3 million, I think, is a project, projection right now for the taxpayer mid-level to necessarily cost you... Because, not to bore people, but, you know, the more you spend into the tax, the more... It costs, and the higher the yeah. tax rate is, like after your five million over, yeah. it There's costs more. Yeah, it's an exponentially more punitive. So even if you're adding, you don't want to just add, 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 add. Yeah, like you're going to have to make some traction. Yeah, like if you're to, to put a, a number on it, if you're four point five million over the tax, that amount gets taxed at a certain level. If you add one more salary, that salary is pushing you over a five million dollar mm-hmm. threshold, which then gets taxed at an even higher rate. Yeah. Um, and every five million dollars, it gets taxed at a higher and higher rate. Uh, so Until yeah. you're paying what four dollars per dollar you yeah, go over it, something. I think it goes up forever. Oh, in theory. Or maybe three seven. I thought at twenty. Ma- yeah, I thought at twenty yeah, million it stops or something. Anyway, yeah. uh, I think Jonas Valanciunas is probably the most likely to be moved just because of his number, uh, his, his salary, I should say, and the relative sim- simplicity and it's not simple that's why I said the word relative um, of moving him after that I'd probably go DeRozan and Lowry and it's hard for me to imagine Ibaka moving um, but you know it could go either way like I think you know you're looking at the the list of teams who might be interested in Kyle Lowry versus DeMar DeRozan and I don't think it's necessarily the same teams that are looking at those players. Like, I, I think, you know, DeRozan is a splashier investment. And, LA teams, baby. Um, but Lowry, like, if you're good trying to make a leap up the standings, is an easier piece to fit in. And you can convin- and, uh, convince yourself that you are making a jump by, by doing that while not, you know changing who you are necessarily so it's like two yeah, i don't want to say completely different groups of teams but like largely different. Yeah, yeah different groups of teams Lowry's gonna fit anywhere Lowry would be good on 30 teams yeah so that's what's tough about it. not to say DeRozan wouldn't be good he just i'm not sure the marginal bump DeRozan gives you is as clear cut across the board yeah. as the one Lowry is a point guard who passes well shoots threes and is usually at least an average defender, yeah. although at some times this year he was not that. Anyway, he makes $30 million, DeMar DeRozan makes $27 million, and any of those deals will be complicated. Yes. Uh, do you see either LA team being interested in DeMar DeRozan? Does that make sense for you in either case? You know, I would have said Clippers if Jerry West weren't involved. Um, I'm not sure. 
I, I still think they're more likely than the Lakers. I think the Lakers, you know, have their home run plan, and All I don't. And I don't see them. And I think they could easily say we're going to push this to 2019 and not give up assets for DeRozan at this uh, at this stage. Um, I think the Clippers are possible. It's, they're an easier trade partner to sort of, given the salaries they have and the types, the type of roster they have. Tobias Harris is the big. Piece. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think. My bet is neither, but I could see the, the Clippers the more easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But so, but then again, something will probably happen. Like none of the scenarios specifically are likely to happen, but something's going to happen. Unless uh, it's a do-nothing summer, and then the Raptors are paying a lot of money. Okay, let me throw this one at you. DeRozan for Tobias Harris, uh, Milos Teodosic, who opted in. um, And, I mean, Teodosic is in it. You could put Boban in there instead. Um, It's just for salary matching. And then Shea Alexander. Um, Like, obviously, that's a deal that makes more sense to happen on draft night. I don't think the Raptors are doing better than that. You don't think the Raptors are doing better than that? I'm just trying to gauge. I'm just trying to gauge your level of what it would take. How to, do you? To trade how do you feel about that? I think it's great. I mean, I, not great. I don't. I've written a bunch about how I'm skeptical that a DeRozan trade is going to return enough to make it worth. The, yeah, like I'm not. The I'm PR not, hit and the and not only PR. I don't even mean PR just to a fan base where you know 80 percent of fans still think DeRozan is the team's most important player, uh, but also the signal you send to other stars and angels yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I think you have to win a DeRozan deal. Um, Harris and Shea Alexander is close. I'm a big, big Tobias Harris fan. I think he's actually I like, like a fringe all-star in the Eastern Yeah, Conference. I like him. Um, and I, I love Shea Alexander even. If and he's his not fit a, on the Raptors is fine. Yeah, yeah. And Alexander's not a tremendous fit with all the point guards the Raptors have, but he's a young point guard, and DeLon Wright is about to be up for RFA. So, yeah. um, anyway, I just well, that's kind of the one that – Prior to the draft, that's the one I had wrapped my head around. Like, okay, this might, this could happen, and I'd understand it. Yeah, and it would be a decent two. Yeah, it's hard for to me do. to see them getting more than that, yeah. uh, and because there's like really nothing terribly negative in that trade that you're taking back. Yeah, you don't um, want Teodosic at six million. No, but Bond at seven million. But but it's one year. Yeah, still yeah. And only, they're useful yeah. players. They're just not. Well, Ben beat the Raptors last year. Yeah, plus we need a baby replacement. So. Or, they need, or sorry, will I, they? Sorry, I don't mean we as in we are the Raptors. The media. I mean we as in, yes, I need a story to write in the middle s- of January. I need a seven-plus footer who yes. will be just amusing at and all times. And then Tobias and Boban, uh, their BFF ship is like right there with Yak and Pascal. Are they actually friends? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Like, there have been, like, I know they always got moved together. Yeah, no, they're, they're like apparently... They're very, it's very funny reading like quotes about it, and I think there was like a whole story on their weird friendship, uh, and Tobias being stored in Boban's phone with his name spelled wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do we think the Bebe era is over? You don't think they're going to qualify him? Well, I don't know because we kind of agreed I, that Jonas Valanciunas is the most likely to go. If the Raptors had a deal lined up to ship Jonas Valanciunas out, Lucas Nogueira at four point one million to be the primary backup to Jakob Pertl makes a lot more sense than Lucas Slash Nogueira. Slash Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Either way, it makes yeah. a lot more sense than Lucas Nogueira at $4.1 to be your third, yeah. maybe fourth center. Um, I still don't think they qualify him. I think they would dare, because you still re- retain his bird rights if you don't qualify yeah. him. So they could still go over the cap to re-sign him. 
Um, I think they would just bet that he's not doing that well on the market. Like I he's think, not going to get four million. Yeah, I think the market. the market is going to be tough on everybody, but particularly big men. Yes. Uh, like DeAndre Jordan, whether he opts in or opts or, or doesn't, will fi- wind up in a fine place yes. for himself. And I'm not. I'm really not sure about anybody else. Yeah. Even on the Dunked On podcast this week, they did their great annual mock off season. Like Derek Favors ended up getting eight million in their mock. Yeah. Like, and Derek tough. Favors is good. Yeah. That's tough. And like, it, I think it's crazy that Ennis Cantor's opting in. He is? Well, that was the report on the weekend that he's opting out of he should 17 not. or 18 million. He should not. Yeah, he should definitely not. Because he's not going to make that over two years. Yeah, probably not. Maybe not even three. Eh, probably three. Probably but three. But yeah, that's uh, so it's going to be tough. So I think the Raptors would, even in that case, still, you know, maybe you tender it because a one, there's, no, there's not really a bad one-year deal, you know, short of it being no. Jeff Green. Um, hey, beat the Raptors. Yeah, it's just I, I got to make that joke a lot last year. So, uh, and plus, you can't just say he beat the Raptors for every name that comes up. <laughs> Gerald Henderson's a free agent. He beat the Raptors. And also, Jeff Green on that contract was a fine deal. Jeff Green yes. at like whatever yes. Orlando paid him the year before yes. was not fine. Yeah, it was one year, fifteen million. Oh my I god, yeah. how far we've come. Yeah, there's anyway. There's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, and even in a tax crunch 4.1 for what Nogueira brings is probably fine um, it just you're not in the tax situation to, it's called the luxury tax because you have to it's make luxury. these decisions on things yeah. that are a luxury so I think they'd still not they'd non-tender them and then um, roll the dice that you know even if they end up offering him a little over the minimum of his bird rights yeah. you know, that's maybe all he's going to get elsewhere is the minimum yeah it's tricky uh, <laughs> I tend to agree with you but I could really see it going either way, which is the sort of analysis you come here for. Yeah. If Look, if Bebe gets more than the minimum on the open market, I think he's going to have to give like a fully non-guaranteed second year so that team has the flexibility. and. Yeah, if he uh, overperforms, then yeah. they get to reap the benefits. Yeah, you're going to have to put some back-end team-side benefit if you're, getting, if you're giving Noguera more than the minimum, so... And I think he should. I think he's good. Yeah. I, I so mean, they're, all the concerns are reasonable, yeah. but when he plays, he's good. Yeah. Like, if you threw... Except if it's game four. If you think back to a couple summers ago when the Raptors threw the biannual exception at Bismack Biombo, which was like one year, 3.1 million or something like that. You know, if a team threw that at Bebe, and you can go to two years on that, I think that's a reasonable gamble on a guy who's shown he can be an effective backup center. Yeah. For 40 games, and then he'll be bad for 20 and injured for 20, but... Mm, injured for 40, yeah. good for 20, bad for 20. I like Bebe, I hope he's back. Um, so let's get to Van Vliet. Yeah. Uh, Do you not want to talk about the two other RFAs first? No. Before we get to the new one? You don't want to talk about Malcolm Miller and Andrew you? Nicola? You could, you I could. always want to talk about Okay, Malcolm you go. Miller I'm going to stretch out here. I'm kidding. Um, those guys are both technically restricted for agents. So. <laughs> Mando, the Mando. chicken man. Also, Raptors still have uh, Jason Thompson on their books. I can't hold him. Where did he play last them. year? Not in the NBA. I'm Not aware of that. Uh, I have no idea. I should yeah. know that. Yeah, I forgot I about him even though we saw Anthony Bennett today, which should have reminded Emer me of him. Preltzich, or however you say his last name, to whom they acquired the draft rights for Corey Joseph last year, uh, had a nice season in Turkey. Bring him over. Don't. He averaged seven points. <laughs> <laughs> I said a nice season. I didn't say... We're not talking... The coach wasn't using him right, is yeah, what I heard. Obviously. Um, yeah, so Fred Van Vliet, he's in a tough spot. He's um, So if you rewind, the Raptors signed him to a two-year deal 
as an undrafted free agent. Like geniuses. Yes. Um, they could have gone to three years, but they like didn't. they did with Norman Powell. Uh, the reason they didn't is because you can only sign using the minimum player exception uh, a two-year deal. If you do a three-year deal, you have to use ca- you have to use cap space or an exception, uh, which the Raptors did not have the flexibility to do comfortably that summer uh, because they used it on Jared Sullinger, their mid-level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was none of that left, and they didn't want to burn the biannual exception to do that. So Van Vliet got a two-year deal. He's a restricted free agent subject to what's called the Gilbert Arenas provision. Um, and what that means is that another team can offer Van Vliet lots of money, but they can only offer the mid-level exception in the first two years. So Why is that? Because once upon a time... Gilbert Arenas bolted real quick. From team Golden State to Washington, I believe. Um, and he got paid. He got like a max contract, didn't he? Something real good. Yeah. Um, so this closed that loophole. Van Vliet can get the max in the year three and four of a deal, uh, but only the mid-level in the first two years. So I think that works out to four years, seventy-four point four million, based on current cap estimates. Uh, and the Raptors could match that. Uh, it would be supremely backloaded, and the Raptors would have the option to smooth that out over the cap years. Which, weird as it sounds, they probably even wouldn't because yeah. their luxury tax bill this year next. Uh, I don't think the Raptors would match four years, seventy-four million. No, I think that would, much as I like Fred Van Vliet, would be a slight overpay. Yes, the four years and roughly thirty-six point nine million the Raptors can offer him out of the gate. Weirdly, the Raptors can offer him; they can match more than they can offer him yeah. themselves uh, because of this provision. Maybe a flaw in the system. Yes. Uh, anyway, they can offer him about four years, thirty-seven million. To use rough numbers, uh, how do you feel about that? That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, I think you do it. I think the asset is worth it, um, worth having versus worth letting go. But it's complicated because DeLon Wright's coming up. You don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to be on your team. Uh, I mean, they probably have a better idea than we do. But you know, he's certainly coming to the end. You would. It would. It's tough to imagine Kyle Lowry on this team in 2020-21. Is what I'm trying yes. to say. Um, so I think paying, you know, mid-level money for Fred Van Vliet in th- years three and four is a fine, a fine way to view, to view that. But that obviously complicates the picture this year and next year in particular. Uh, DeLon Wright's going to be a really complicated situation uh, for them because of uh, you know, if assuming Van Vliet stays because of this, uh, because he is eligible for an extension before this season, could be an RFA next season. Uh, I mean, unrestricted technically if they... No. Anyway, uh, he's likely to be a restricted free agent if they yes. don't extend him. I can't imagine they're going to be um, Yeah, they probably just want to... They... they Want to, they want another year of data, and they just can't afford Plus to Plus, he's going to hit free agency at 27. Yeah. Um, like, it's not, he's not the kind of guy that, he's just not in a spot where you rush to put yeah. that down. And I think, you know, even if teams have more cap space in 2019, as some of these 2016 yeah. deals come off the books, uh, I don't think, you know, I just, I can't imagine there's a number there that's going to make sense. And plus, we already know they can play together, yeah. you know. So... Short answer. Sorry for cutting you off. Um, I do it, but four and thirty-seven is a lot, and I don't feel great about it. Yeah. So, what in talking to some other smart people, what we've kind of 
not we as a collective, but I did a podcast with Daniel Hackett going through some of the offseason potential things. And basically his point was that it wouldn't make a lot of sense for Van Vliet to end up getting a deal that's not you know, either the taxpayer mid-level or the non-taxpayer mid-level. Because if you were going to make a splash for Fred Van Vliet and try to make it so the Raptors can't match, why wouldn't you go to the full mid-level? I think I might, I'm paraphrasing, and it might not be Dan's exact point, yeah. but I had said, well, maybe he gets $7 million. No. And the point was basically like, why would you give him almost all of the mid level and not all of the mid level to just like get it done? Especially since the remainder. Yeah, if of you want, assuming you want him, yes. like it, uh, that's. I mean, you could even go higher, obviously, yeah. but that would be the logical place to start so, as a as a disincentive. So uh, what I think I would do if I were the Raptors, and I'm not. Day what? one. So you you obviously with a guy like Fred Van Vliet, um, you've invested in him. You know that he's the bet on yourself mentality, and you want to show him that you believe in him and that you want to get it done. He's a smart enough guy to understand the luxury tax situation um, and to read the market. I'm sure he's an ASM client, and they generally do very well. So um, uh, I'm sure he's got good intel in his ear. Um, I think if you come to him with an offer at 1201 on July 1st, and it's not the full mid-level, but it's more than the taxpayer mid-level, and it's enough that you're not, you know, you're not pinching pennies to where he's going to feel offended. Yes. Um, I wonder if maybe... I'm better than Ron Baker. Yeah, I wonder if maybe you can get a deal done early where he doesn't end up looking for that full mid-level on the market. You know, that's sort of what I I speculated about in my free agent primer uh, on The Athletic Toronto. Uh, or Canada, or just the athletic, I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't you, know what we're calling ourselves, because... If you drop 428 on his desk at midnight on July 1st, yeah. is that enough to where he doesn't seek out that 437? And it's also day? tough to imagine that, as great as Van Vliet was and is, that he's any team that's chasing RFA's number one target. Right. Like, there's Julius Randle, and there's... Uh, there are a lot of who's at the top? I'm missing somebody super obvious. Uh, Jabari Parker. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody better than yeah, this. The point guard but, crop is not super great. Yeah. Uh, I saw one ranking that had Alfred Payton ahead of Fred Van Vliet, which was hilarious. Which was wrong. Yeah. Um, Van Vliet's probably the number three point guard on the market, Yeah. if I'm remembering right. I know Chris Paul's a free agent. I'm blanking on who the other one is. Whatever. This is why doing a podcast in an arena instead of at our desks is a little complicated because yeah. we don't have computers. Up. Um, so who are teams that could be interested? Phoenix, in? Phoenix is the one yeah. that I come to. Um, if Orlando, Atlanta, if maybe? At, yeah, Orlando, maybe. Um, they really need point guards in general. Um, but I could also see Orlando as a landing spot for Dennis Schroeder. And I was going to say Atlanta. If Atlanta were to get off yeah. of Schroeder, Atlanta would be a team that would make some sense. Um, but Dennis Schroeder's not that good. He's, he's very bad. No. Um, and he seems like a, a tough person to work with. Um, he has nice. He has a nice car, though. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I've talked myself into because Orlando has all these bigs uh, and no point guards. Uh, biz for Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> it, it makes sense. To sure. Me. I don't know. And then uh, anyway, one of those teams might want Van Vliet. Uh, Phoenix stands out as a team that could be a point guard and is on the right part of the development curve. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that. You know, I think teams are going to see Van Vliet as a reasonable mid-level candidate, and I don't think, you know, I don't know if his market is higher. And I don't even know if he gets, you know, because if some of the top names on the market, if the money's not there for them, then maybe, you know, that shifts down to the mid-level.
Yeah, you come with the respect and, you know, you show him the requisite love, as it were. And if he decides, I want to wait out this market and I want to see what happens and get that extra cash, good for him. And you can make the judgment at at the price point. I think, you know, there is a, I don't know what the number is. I haven't thought about it. There's probably, there's a drop dead point where I'm like, okay, I'm not paying four and 60 for Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, you. honestly, I think it's the max of what the Raptors can offer. I don't think, I don't think yeah. you can, I don't think you can go to eight figures for a no. guy who is awesome, but superfluous the way your roster's already constructed. And I mean, unless you really think he has Kyle Lowry upside. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe not Kyle Lowry upside. Kyle Lowry is worth $25 million. Yeah. Um, so if you had to pay $10 million for a guy who could become that, you do it. But, I mean, unless you see Fred Van Vliet as being an unquestioned starter yeah. when Kyle Lowry moves on, which, you know, I think he could be, but I don't think that the evidence is quite there yet that, yeah. you know, he could be that guy. Yeah, um, I might go a bit higher than their max, but yeah. not, not much higher. Yeah, like, I mean, look, if it's a little bit over... Yeah, I probably talk myself into matching like 440. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blink at too much. Um, but yeah, I think the Raptors probably, you know, 428 is probably what they'd love to have for him. Um, do you have any other offseason thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, we're qu- to yeah, quickly, where's LeBron going? Cleveland. I don't know. Philly. <laughs> I'm going with the Lakers. Yeah, I mean Vegas is. Going hard. The Lakers are the favorite, yeah. By like like a prohibitive favorite. Uh, Cleveland comes in second. Yeah. Does Kawhi get traded? No. They'll have a fun situation in that yeah. case. I I, by the way, I, it's been put out there that the Spurs will only trade him to the East. I think that's incorrect. I know that some teams have used that logic in the past, and apparently the Pacers did in trading Paul George. The Spurs aren't that dumb. Like you have to know that if you trade Kawhi Leonard, I think that's a tiebreaker. It's not a. Yeah. It's not a decision maker. If you're trading a franchise player, you get the absolute best offer you can get for him, regardless. Of what yeah, the team and is. then you get a few Williamses, Alonzo Mourning, and yeah. two first rounders. Boom, bang. I think what you do is you, in trying to trade Kawhi Leonard, you also get out from the contracts of Patty Mills and Pau Gasol, mm-hmm. and to do that, you maybe take back Demar Derozan and Norman Powell. And one other contract, maybe a prospect and a pick. Um, yeah. You know, maybe DeRozan, Powell, Jakob Pertle, and a first-round pick. Yeah. I don't know. And then, they were you know, not, you get, you the, get Raptors Twitter assets and Raptors, you get out from Pau Gasol. And Raptors Twitter, Twitter was not happy when I suggested putting OG in a Kawhi Leonard trade. OG could be anything, even Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> it could be anything, even a boat. You have a Paul George thought? I uh, don't. It's sort of, all of it depends on LeBron. Yeah, is, I, but, think, you know. I think Paul George ends up in LA. I know there are yeah. there are rumblings that he's going to stay in OKC. Um, I think the part of me, like, <laughs> there's just like this weird thing where like Paul George has like the best individual shoe in the NBA, in my opinion. If he gets to LA, everyone's going to know that because the marketing machine behind Paul George's shoe is going to pick up. I just want Paul George's shoe to do well. I don't care about Paul George that much. He seems like a fine enough guy, and he's a very nice player, but yeah. I just want that shoe to get some shine. Also, I want Jesse Mermis to have a new toy in L.A. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been rumors of him going to L.A. for a few for years. Everybody. That seems strange that that would end now. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying LeBron and Paul George to the Lakers. Both of them, eh? Yeah. All right. And then, yeah, I guess... I don't feel strongly about it, but I think yeah. it's a thing that right now makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, well, East is going to be kind of weak. Yeah, that's why the Raptors should go $25 million into the luxury tax. There you go. Um, realistically, 
Uh, they end up in the tax, but one salary is shed if Fred VanVleet's back. I think that's also the most likely yeah. consensus here on, on... It really feels like it's going to be anticlimactic. Oh, most things are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, none of it matters. Yeah, as uh, Ockerville River once sang, this is a life story, so there's no climax. Jesus. Uh, all right, that's the climax of this podcast. We're going to go. Um, sorry if the audio has been echoey and there's been noise in the background. We did this, like I said, at Mattamy. Um, we will talk to you probably not this time next week, uh, just because it'll be early enough in free agency that probably a lot won't have happened When yet. it's worth talking to you, we'll yes. talk to you. and then I'm off to Summer League, so I don't really want to record a podcast from a Summer League hotel room. So it might be a bit. But I once had to do a Skype interview from Summer League for the National Post video desk after LeBron had signed in uh, Cleveland. Damn, 2014? Yep. That was the that Summer League. That was a big one. Wiggins, Bruno, LeBron. Bruno. Where does Bruno sign? Um, Bruno got me. I mean, this is might be uh, might be you know information I can't share. The Bruno, the first Bruno feature did very well in terms of certain metrics. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> that feature? Yeah, like I'm in Vegas, Bruno. <laughs> but you know this. You know how uh, the uh, the machine, the page view machine, that is Bruno. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. The 905 page views have not. At least at Raptors Republic, have not been strong since Bruno left. First name Malachi, get it going. Uh, eh, yeah. <laughs> you want to break down the summer league resume? Is that what you're really trying to get me to do let's, right now, Eric? Let's go home. Because yeah. Um, all right, we will we will talk to you guys soon. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will uh, yeah next time there's something to talk about. Eric, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. If only to be. Reasonable man